All right, hey guys, and welcome to the Three Drinks In Podcast, episode number 212. I am your host, Vince. Over there is your host, Phil. Hello, everybody. In this episode, we are talking about Raya. Raya? Raya. What is it? Raya and the Last Dragon, now available uh, for free, quote unquote, with your Disney Plus subscription. Uh, I also want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by the film Gully uh, from Paramount Pictures. More about that a bit later on. Uh, before we get started with everything else, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And do try to leave a rating or even a review. We'd really appreciate that. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at 3 Drinks in Pod. You can like us on Facebook. And comments, compliments, and sponsor offers can be sent to 3 Drinks in Podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out the merch website, the link for which you can find on our, our, on our website and in the notes um, to, this ep- to this episode. Okay, good Lord. I'm <laughs> mumbling through all that because we're That's both good. getting over a really bad cold. Wasn't the two hundred and twelfth time we've done that, so Yeah, you think I would have nailed it by now. You know? Maybe so a little. It's a it's a word. <laughs> we'll we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Hang in there, everyone. I promise this gets a lot better. <laughs> what was that onion article? You know, podcaster promises audio quality to be better in the next episode. Yeah. I think we <laughs> stopped doing that because it's just like the show's not going to get any better. It is what it is at this point. So, <laughs> I also sorry. think we've achieved a certain level of at least stability with, with with regard to quality control. Well, you know, maybe with the sound. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not what we talk about, but oh no, no, that's never going to get better. That's <laughs> that has plateaued. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where it's at, as they say. All right, so Raya. Am I saying that right? Yeah, they only said it 50 million times in the movie. They did. They said it a lot. Raya. And the last dragon. Last dragon. But not really. No, not so much. And listen, this was a great movie. I think it's fantastic. There's nothing else to talk about with regard to it. And uh, don't want to ruin our unbroken streak of being positive with, with the films that we see. And that's the end of the podcast. So good night, everybody. We'll see you later. That joke never gets old either. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> well, all my friends were making a list of all the things I do like because this wasn't on it. And they were like, well, what does you like? And I just sat there and let them blow up my phone. <laughs> it's a short list. So, say so like, blow up your phone or like, yeah. <laughs> it seems a little bit optimistic. Every word, you know, sometimes they do. And next thing you know, like <laughs> it gets like log jammed and I won't get any text messages for like seven or eight hours. And then I'll get 70 all at once. And it comes at like two in the morning because there's no nothing going on at 2 a.m. And the last 50 messages are always like, how come you're not answering? Because <laughs> you destroyed my phone. I think he likes pie. Yeah, he liked the Matrix. <laughs> I do like the Matrix. It's a classic. What about, what about that Ocean's Eleven movie? That was pretty good. Yeah, that was okay, I guess. <laughs> so uh, I didn't like this movie. No. But we're not um, allowed to say that. We're not? I don't think so. Well, well why not? They loved it over at NPR. <laughs> NPR. Bunch of <laughs> <egg> heads. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I put on their their pop culture happy hour, which is not an hour, and they should stop saying it. It's an hour. It's like twenty minutes, if that. Well, I appreciate it. That it's short. True, um, you know, it seems disingenuous in the advertising, but I'll, I'll, I'll deal with that. But, um, but you know, they, they, they really enjoyed it. They liked it a lot. Yeah. It, is there anything you liked about it? <laughs> Before we shit all over it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's just start there. I thought that the action sequences, the swashbucklingness of it was pretty good. I've become very sensitive to that kind of thing ever since we saw Mad Max Fury Road. And um, everyone went like, oh, so that's how you shoot an action movie. Because that's literally what that is. There's almost nothing to that film but action. And I think it's so brilliant in the fact that you can still tell a very compelling and complicated story. Not overly complicated, but complicated enough of a story um, with so little dialogue that that film didn't even have a script. It just had a bunch of storyboards, like a few thousand. And they were said, like, we're going to throw in dialogue here, but this is what this is how we're telling the story. And the way in which that film was shot and the concept of keeping you know, the crosshairs of the camera, the center of the camera on the action, like everything's in frame. You can see it. You can follow it and it can do the, you know, it can give you all the information you need about both what's happening and, you know, how the people who it's happening to are changing or thinking or feeling as a result of what's happening. And this movie, I thought, put the camera in the right place for much of the action. There was a couple times where, like, I would like kind of look down or look away, and I'd miss something, and I have to go jump back. But for the most part, I thought it was visually very clear, you know, what was happening in the in all the action sequences. So I could see it. I guess is the, the long and the short of what I liked about the action sequences that I could see it. Yeah, they were okay. Um, they were clear. I mean. I was just thinking that they weren't exactly like fancy. They were a little bit, um, I don't want to say like boring. They weren't boring, but like for for being animation, I thought they'd be a little bit more stylistic or stylish. Yeah, they were very grounded. Uh, yeah, which was odd because nothing in the movie was. So I thought that would be a bit more like highly choreographed kind of you know, lightsaber fight type thing. And it wasn't, but I was just like, yeah, okay. Like I could or, see it, which made it better. So yeah. Or even longer. And like, this is a thing I remember Peter Jackson talking about when he was editing the, the Helm's deep sequence for, for the, uh, the two towers was that like, you know, sometimes if you, you if you would cut this, the, the, the whole thing together and it was like 25 minutes, it wouldn't seem quite as good as when it was like 18 minutes. And like, we ended up making the, the whole, battle sequence shorter than we thought we would need it, I mean, which is amazing considering the film is three hours long. But, like, the longer the battle was, the more tired you felt as the audience, and you get kind of bored of that, even though it's exciting. So I, I wonder, like, could they have in longer fight sequences? Maybe not. I don't, you know. I don't think so, because, I mean, in a battle sequence, I mean, 20 minutes is a long time, at, you know, for anything. But when it's, these were all only one-on-one -on -one fights, 
and it's a Disney movie. It's a cartoon. So they're not going to start stabbing each other at all. Like they're always going to just be deflecting swords. So yeah. like they can't be that long because then that would get very dull quickly. I mean, a couple of minutes is the most because they're not really, it's just the two of them and they're not really going to end up hurting each other. So you're like, I'm just waiting for this fight scene to be over. I mean, it's fun to watch, but you, you know, nothing of consequences is going to happen with that. So it's like, they're better to be short, I think, than to be long. You know, and like even if it was like a Jason Bourne movie or a Bond movie and like they fight, usually there's some sort of consequence. You know, a guy gets hit in the leg or the shoulder and now he's kind of limping for the rest of the scene. Like, that's not going to happen here. So, so yeah, even that's it, sort of taken away. Well, a couple of really good kicks and punches, I thought like it, it was more violent in that regard. You know, there were there was no stabbing, obviously, but, you know. There was a crossbow scene, and there was, you know, a couple of good kicks to the midsection, and, you know, but yeah, there was. I mean, I mean, this goes to a point that I'll make later about, you know, <laughs> people getting hurt and things being sacrificed, but um, yeah, no, it's uh, I, you not too much you can do with it, but I thought overall that they they executed that aspect of the film pretty well, all things considered. It was kind of a minor part of it, but at least when it when it was there, they kind of made it a big deal. Like when you know at, at the end, when she's like, oh, "I'm gonna go kick her ass," and she goes in there, and she really sort of like it's a decent enough little fight. It's clever, you know. It utilizes the space a little bit, and you know, there's a lot going on in there. And yeah, no, it's it was good. What did you like about it? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I don't think I liked anything about this movie. The animation was good. I mean, I feel like that's just something you say now. <laughs> Although I don't know if it was as good as Moana's. Uh... I, couldn't, I couldn't stop staring at Moana's hair. It was just so unbelievably well animated. Because it was dry, it was wet, it would have sand in it. And I watched their hair in this one and it... it had a different style to it it wasn't like every strand or whatever you could see yeah this was this movie wanted to be about 14 different things and one of those things wanted to be was an anime movie and in you know the style for a lot of those movies is not to have as much really super fine detail in things like hair like there are certain aspects of that of that style of drawing that are a bit more two-dimensional and so there was an, an element of that in this, as well as the giant eyes. And people actually said that there's kind of a weird uncanny valley thing going on in their eyes. And that was really true, like this kind of giant dead eye stare thing that some of the characters do. Yeah, well, the last few, the Disney, Express I mean, last few, I mean, I guess it's like 10 years now. But like the, the Disney digital house style now is like with the big eyes and the small noses and they all kind of look the same like you could put these characters next to the ones from like tangled or whatever and they don't look like they fit in the same place yeah there's not a lot of variety going on here and it's i mean it's very deliberate like this is it is attractive to children it is it is it is attractive to adults it's just like you know your eyes are drawn to certain things and it's definitely cultural because you know but it's yeah it's designed to be appealing it's not it's, it's almost like it's focus grouped into it you know 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it lets them, their, their facial expressions are more exaggerated so you can see what they're, what they're thinking that way. Right, yeah. Like if, you're, if your it. eyes are gigantic and half your face, and you, you can do a lot with eyes to let you know how they feel. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot more of that. Yeah. It allows um, for some more subtlety, I guess. I guess. But it for, can, for it, it can be distracting at times. Yeah. You know, I found the dragon really distracting. <laughs> yeah, well, the rest of the movie sucked, so... <laughs> Including the dragon. All right, everybody, gird your loins. I, you know, <laughs> it's... The reviews were really good. I was like, yeah, let's watch this. It's free now. So it's like 20 minutes in, I'm like, oh my God, it's 20 minutes in. I thought it was at least 40. I, this movie felt forever. Yeah, we actually watched it over two nights. Oh, man. We just didn't like, you know, we sat down to watch it at like 7.30, I want to say. And we looked at the time like, oh, that's almost two hours. And we're old people with 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 young kids. So I was like, maybe we should... All right, well, let's start it. And I was like, I think I got two hours in me. I, I bet you if this is good, I'm going to want to watch the whole thing. And then we got in my head, we go, nope, I'm going to go to bed. I'll pick this up tomorrow. Yeah. And it's not a movie that holds your attention. So it's like, I can pick this up tomorrow because I'm not interested really in what's going on. Right. Well, what we should have done first was to set the scene. So uh, Raya... And the last dragon takes place in the fictional land of Kumandra, which might mean something in a different language. I don't know. Uh, it's a land where everybody gets along, and it was really perfect. And something entirely amorphous and nonspecific comes along to it's fog big purple and black fog shows up one day 500 years before our uh, the story that we see starts and this fog just ends up eating people and making them into stone and no one knows why and the dragons which are plentiful at the time decide to fight the purple fog and they do so at the great sacrifice of themselves and then the the process of the dragons sacrificing themselves and leaving the humans to fend for themselves leads to division amongst the people of Kumandra. And they split they break off into different sort of factions and they all live in a part of the place named for a part of the dragon, the spine, the talon, the fang, the heart, the tail Excuse me. And um, the story is about them coming together and not coming together. And the dragons make themselves like a magic talisman of some kind of stone. And one people guard it and nobody gets along anymore. There's no more dragons and there's division amongst the people for, for reasons passing understanding. And... Um, then Raya is I'm I'm like losing the plot here because it just makes just, no sense. Just stop because it's annoying. I know. There's right? too much exposition in this film. Oh my god. They had to just, stop and give it to you in like every 20 minutes. Like it, it was never ending. It was it was constant and it repeated itself. So like 
when she's a young kid, the movie starts off when she's a young kid and she explains how everything works. And then when she's an adult and she travels to every different part of the country, she explains it again in case you forgot, which you probably did because it was an hour and a half ago. You know, like, oh, in this land that they're cutthroat people and they live on the water. And I'm like, you told me this already. Like, like <laughs> you're spending five, ten minutes on this. It, it was constant. And in some ways, that's okay. Like, it's a fantasy land. It's, it's you know, God forbid we actually make a movie about an actual Asian country. So we're going to make our own up and mix them all together. That way we don't offend anybody. And so you have to explain <laughs> <Bad everything>. yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you have to explain everything. But you, you know, you can easily over explain things. So to the point where if you start thinking about it too hard, it doesn't make any sense. And then there's some things that you can let them go. And I'm just going to accept it because you're not going to explain it to me. So I need to understand how all of these countries feel and work and the people, how they live. But you don't have to explain to me how her little roly-poly guy can spin and know where he's going when he's inside a shell like a turtle. <laughs> you know, like I thought about it for half a second where I was like, how does that guy know where he's going when he's inside that little shell and he can roll like he's a, a motorcycle? Ah, whatever. Who cares? But like I got to hear constantly about where the dragons were, what they did, what their powers were. You know, why is this thing made out of stone? Why is it not made out of stone? I was like, oh, my God, like, th that's too much, man. You know, it, it's a really fine line about what you can reveal to the audience and what you shouldn't reveal to the audience. And this movie was just like, if I don't tell you exactly what's happening, I'm going to lose them. So here you go. And I was like, oh, man, too much. It was just it was just way too much exposition. Yeah, and I think that maybe they thought like, well, we have to explain these things again because kids are watching this primarily and they're not going to understand what's going on. And they want to go, they don't get it when you talk it to them. If you just yammer on at them, some kids will be able to take in information that way, but most of them do so visually. That's why they're watching the television. Like, you know... They had words on the screen. I go, okay, okay but, but like they're not there for very long, and some kids can't read. And these, these are, aren't, aren't all words that kids are familiar with, like fang. That's not a word that comes up a lot. You know, talon, not so much. So, yeah, like it just there was one dump after the other. And I, like, I don't mind the initial ones. Where it's like, okay, here's the scene. And they give you the whole spiel. And then it kept happening, and again, and again. Like you're right, like it just they kept giving you the same information over and over again, and it's it like there's and it feels like there's a lot more story here they would tell if this were a television show, like if this was a series versus a movie, then you could spend time exploring all the different lands within the land of Kumandra. And you would have time to, you know, have some questions answered. Like, why is this, like, what is this giant fog that shows up? They never explain what's really going on. They deal with it metaphorically. And then, like, it's a metaphorical problem that needs a real solution. Like, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's got to have, it's got to be grounded in something. Why is it when they get turned into stone, they're all posed in the same way? Yeah, I thought that was weird. I was waiting for an exhibition for that, and that never showed up. 
you know, and the how how and the, they have relatively different looking little societies here, and you're not you're not quite sure. Like the, so, the whole problem with Fang is that they're, you know, they're they're looking to expand their te- their territory, and they've walled themselves off with a canal. But the other places seem rather like you don't get a sense of scale too. Like you got a big map, and she's traveling all over the place, but they're all living within like you know it's like the Vatican City. It's like one square mile. Like it, you know, it's all really tiny. And and, and the problem is real. We need to expand. We're too many people here in a very small space. We're going to start eating each other if we don't. You know, like these are all real problems. There's complexity in this story. But they didn't want to deal with any of that because they wanted to make it into a single movie. You can make it into a bunch of trilogies. You know, but like, there's so much information here. This isn't, you know, like I in trying to recount the story, I was going on, and you look at me like, why is he just still talking like that? Because I'm still trying to get everything out. There's just so much information to give. Yeah, well, the other problem is that for all the world building that they were doing, the actual story is very simple. You yes. know, like her task is to grab five pieces of a broken amulet and give it to the dragon and the dragon can get rid of all the monsters that are roaming the land. That's a very simple fetch quest kind of thing. I mean, it's not complicated. And I think, you know, she starts off with one. So that's already done for her. And then two of them, the countries she visits um, are empty. You know, there's like the one guy in the village where everybody else is stone except for him. And the other one is like a skeleton holding it or something, but it's booby trapped. So like they're not, it's not even like she has to do anything to get them except dodge a couple of traps or something. So like the story itself is very basic and not terribly interesting because she's not interesting. So you have all this lore just dumped on the most simple of quests. And I was like, you were waiting for the excitement, but you're bogged down with all this stuff you have to remember. It, it was not a good mixture of that. So it made it really dull. Yeah. And like, I, I was never really sure what the real problem of the story was. Like the problem wasn't the collection of the items. Like you said, like those things, she can obtain them pretty easily. The only hard one was the one, you know, that Fang had. And she, you know, that... That was it. The rest of them were obtained pretty easily. <coughs> Sorry. And, um, you know, the, again, like, the, what... W- there was one point <laughs> I was watching the... Uh, um, the... What do you call it? The the Honest Trailer guy. They had a, he had a really good, like, five-minute thing on this movie. And there's that scene where the uh the girl from Fang shows up and she's like, Hey, I'm gonna give you the the stone. There you go. Yeah, you take the stone and then she double crosses them and pulls out the crossbow for some reason and points it at the dragon for some reason. And and you know, she goes to the other girl goes to stop her, she shoots the dragon, and the dragon dies. Theoretically. Falls into the water. And then later on, when they're fighting, the girl says, you're just as responsible for her death as I am. I got, no. No, you you brought a crossbow to the meeting. 
you shot the dragon. Like there's okay, you might like I'm you might have startled you know, she might have startled you with her little little like whip sword there. But you shot the dragon with a cross. Like, there's no way to get around that. Like, how how are we how are we talking about this? This is not an argument. This I, is a I thing that the, happened. I love the dragon's reaction to that, but okay. <laughs> but you killed it, so you know. And so, like, the whole time, they're you know, the dragon saying, "No, everyone can get along. It's really fine." And then the other 95% of the movie, they're showing everybody shooting dragons with crossbows and babies trying to kill you. Like, it's, this is not a trustworthy society and there's no indication that anybody wants to do that at all. So, like, they have both, you know, they have just vague problems that are supposed to be solved through being nice to each other. So, like, your main character is dull, the fetch quest is very straightforward and so, and solved relatively easily, but the real thing you have to overcome is also vague and you know you're not quite sure how you're getting there. This just they it's like they were trying their best not to be specific about literally anything, who these people are, where they are, what they did wrong, and how they're going to fix it. Yeah, I think there's like a there's a quick line in the very beginning that gets glossed over because my whole thing was, okay, these five countries don't get along, but they have this magical gem that protects them from the evil monsters. And one the one that Raya is from is the one that has it and the other ones want it for some reason. And they say, like, it's because of that stone that they're so prosperous. So my first thought was, is that true? Because she goes, that's not true, Daddy. And he goes, that's what I keep telling him. I'm like, all right. Are these other <laughs> like, are these other countries crappy? Because <laughs> like they show up and they all look perfectly fine. So like, yeah, you know, motivation isn't really given. They just want it, and then when it smashes, they each get a piece of it, and that's like you know not enough to keep the monsters away and. I was like, I, I don't understand why they were fighting in the first place. Like, just because they were, you know, I mean, little kids don't care because they just want to see stuff. But as I was watching it the whole time, I was just like, I don't, what are we trying to get over that we can come together? The only one that they understood was her and the other girl from that one country. They were rivals like that one. Okay. I understand. But even that was like, why do they want that thing? Cause they do. I don't know. Yeah, there was just no no sort of thought put behind any of it. It was, I mean, especially like the the bad guy thing is really lazy. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, oh, the bad guy thing, like the big purple blobs. Yeah. So like, yeah, what is that? <laughs> well, they're. I mean, they they really just didn't. I mean, that they, they use magic for a lot of bullshit in this, and we all know how we feel about magic on this show. You never go for a full Merlin. Never so. go for full Merlin. They went they went full Merlin and a half on this one. Um and I guess their point was that they wanted so they wanted just to do diff- this is the thing. They don't want to tell a story. They don't want to make a movie. They want to kind of do things different for so somebody can say this is different. And that's why it's good. We've we've confused we've conflated different and good. We think that they're the same thing. So they don't want to have a story with a villain. 
you know, with a you know, with a cru- with a cru- Cruella Deville, with you know, this is the same thing was true in Moana, but it was handled better in in Moana. But they don't want to have a bad guy because you know, bad guys in in the what we consider to be the great Disney movies, they're kind of melodramatic bad guys. Ursula doesn't need a backstory. She's just a bad guy. That's how it is. Jafar, the same thing. They don't need backstories as to why they're evil. We seem to be in an age now where everyone needs to be, you know, you need to give a reason for that kind of stuff. And, you know, they, they, they can't be Iago. They have to be more complicated than that. All right, fine. So here they they didn't even want to have a character to stand in and even have a backstory to make them sympathetic at the end when they're all like beaten down and the story's over. So they don't give the they don't make it a person. They make it magic is the bad thing. And it's really this thing shows up. It sows division, and it's the our divisiveness that's the bad guy. Okay, and then they want to change things around to with your heroine. There's no love interest, which is fine. But there's no male figure that really does any teaching. So people criticized, apparently, Moana because as strong of a female character as she was, and that's something that they really want to sell now, was this is not saying it's good or bad. I'm saying they want to sell that because they think there's a market for it. They, the problem with Moana was that they needed he, she needed a big, strong man to show her how to do things. Maui played by The Rock. No, I I know. Yeah. So like but that was a criticism of the movie was that she wasn't independently able to do all the stuff, which is why when you meet Raya, she can Raya, whatever her name is, you she can do all the things already. She's she you don't meet her at the beginning of her journey, you meet her at the end of it. And she's only a little kid, but now she's also a Jedi or Indiana Jones or whatever. She can do all the stuff that she needs to do even though she's only like 12. And so like, her father is the opposite of of Maui. He's not trying to help her to go out and defeat something or, you know, beat up some bad guy. His, her, her father is there to tell her, we all need, need to get along. And then the big purple dragon comes along and says the exact same thing. So it's like an anti-action movie that they obligatorily have to put action into. And that's what... And, and the, they... They're trying to win like the woke Olympics here. They're not trying to tell a story or really make a movie. You know, they're trying to avoid any kind of specific storytelling because it involves making decisions. And one of the things I read when I was in college about directing plays was that decisions really, you know, they can they can be a, a source of of sort of violence in a metaphorical sense. If I decide to put the chair here, the chair goes there and nowhere else. If you come in from that door, you come in from that door. I'm eliminating other options and making something clear in the storytelling. And that's what they don't seem to want to do, is to eliminate options. They want to be as inclusive as possible. Well, if all, if all the answers are the, are the right ones, then none of them are the right ones. And they're not, you know, you know, they're, so they're, they're, the vagueness of what of what's happening here is is the enemy of 
of clarity. <laughs> it's just obvious. <laughs> like this, you can't do this without making a choice. You know. Yeah, sure. I mean, this is as an English teacher. Uh, whenever we read books, or I read books, <laughs> um, you know, you always get that the blank stares from kids who are like, "Why are we reading this?" And you know, it could be anything. But you tell them like, "Okay, I don't want you know." If we read like Catcher in the Rye or whatever it is, it's about a kid who has a men- who's having a mental breakdown who goes into New York City because he's lonely and he calls up hookers and he tries to drink and he like. You know, and I always tell my kids, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to go to New York City and call up hookers and things like that. <laughs> so what we do is we read stories about people who do these things because they are making decisions and they are choosing to do certain things. And you look at your life through the through that lens. How would I deal with something like this? You know, and so you can take away it if you ever happen to finish the story. What happens to the people in those situations? Does it work out for them or does it not work out for them? You know, and in these typical Disney movies is they usually resist or choose to do the wrong thing until the very end when they realize what they have to lose and then they change their minds. You know, typical coming of age story. That's fine. So you're right. Like this nebulous sort of my dad told me to do this, but I didn't really believe him. And I think I was right the whole time anyway. Like, you know, the consequences seem dire. You know, everyone's turning into stone, but they're not really because she doesn't even care about fixing like the universe that that has been like screwed up. She, she thinks about her father and that's about it. You know, I mean, you're not really learning anything there with Moana. I mean, she was also trying to save like the universe because like, you know, the plants were dying or whatever, but you know, she's not getting any help from anybody, especially her father, the big strong man. So she has to get it from somewhere else, which is the rock. And he's only giving like half help because he doesn't want to do anything for anybody else. He's being selfish. So they have to like work together. That's more than whatever this movie has. Yeah. I mean, Moana is that character that changes other people, you know, like there's, you know, two basic kinds of of protagonists in, in this sort of you know this sort of storytelling is the you know the one that changes and the one that changes others and moana you know she changes the way in which her entire you know society operates from being isolationists to being explorers and then she changes maui into becoming you know someone that thinks for thinks of others but you know besides himself and i don't know if raya has any kind of arc at all like she she laments and and she says so in the opening monologue and like the voiceover which was you know i get the you know the level setting that she that she does but she recognizes that things are bad also she doesn't seem to give a shit at the same time because she's hyper focused on on like helping her dad yeah. yeah so she's and like by the end, yeah, okay, so she sacrifices herself and turns herself into stone to start the process of trust that her father really wanted to instill in them. But um, I don't know. It's sort of like it's not really a journey because she gets what she wants. There's nothing 
that she sacrifices or even thinks she's going to sacrifice. She really believes in the in the end, if I do this, if I'm the first one to give you the stone and I, you know, get turned into stone by the purple monster people, then, um, you know, then if I do it, this is going to work out. So she takes a leap of faith, which is not which is not a small thing per se, but I don't know. It's whether that you know I don't know if it's that we know as the audience it's going to work out because this is a Disney film, or if she really believes it's going to work out because so there she's trying to be the character that changes other people after she's changed herself. It's like she, you can't be both. You have to be one or the other. Yeah, you know. Anyway, this is a good time now to take a second and thank our sponsor, um, the film Gully by Paramount Pictures. Now on digital, Gully is the powerful and explosive crime story of three boyhood friends who find their escape from L.A.'s tough streets in one out-of-control night of partying. But when the rampage stops, retribution begins. Directed by Neil Elderkin, Gully stars Kevin Kelvin Harrison Jr., Charlie Plummer, Jacob Lattimore, Jonathan Majors, Amber Heard, and Academy Award-nominated Terrence Howard. Buy or rent Gully and watch it tonight. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. And stay tuned to the end of this episode to see how you can win your own free digital copy of Gully. And we thank Gully for sponsoring Three Drinks In. I wonder how I can win a free copy. Yeah, you should stay tuned to the end. I mean, you have to. You're here. I have to. You're in the show. Show. Air quotes. I don't know how you do it, like a verbal air quote. You just say quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So like I um <laughs> speaking of that, I I I don't mind when people do it in like certain podcasts I listen to, like uh like on like real like serious, like policy newsy political podcasts they'll be like i'm gonna read you now quote and they say they go end quote it's real stuffy but like okay fine but then like the one i listen to a lot is with uh, simon majumdar from the food network who does like a history of food podcast and you know he does it for like when he reads the dictionary entry garlic from miriam webster is says quote I'm like just read it simon we know you're reading from the dictionary it's totally fine you don't have to quote the dictionary with the word quote. You just sound silly. Mm, this, you know what this reminded me of too? It was kind of like a video game too. I felt that there was it had a very video gamey element to it. In that like every place looked sort of like, we're here now. And it was like an introduction to the, maybe like the name of the place overhead. And then she had to do... She had a task to do here and a task to do there, and when you finally get to the big bad, you know, boss guy at the end, then you you know you get to win the thing. It had a very sort of like you know paint by numbers kind of you know, level one, level two kind of feel to it. Yeah, sure. Well, that's what I mean in that. Like, I mean, fetch quest is not. It's not like a, a good term when you. In, when video games first started getting really expansive in the 2000s and everything, you know, a fetch quest was what you did to make the game longer because it was go here, get that thing, come back with it for your reward, you know, you know, go fetch that thing. And so like now 
if a game has a lot of fetch quests, it's considered to be like detrimental, like filler, you know? And so like when I describe her mission is I have to go all to these different places and grab one little piece of junk. It's like, I don't want to watch that because it just feels like filler. And your brain already makes that leap of like where she's going to go. Oh, she's going to get them all at some point. So you're just waiting for that to happen. Yeah. You know, and like, and you're right. And like each time she goes to get it, she has to fight something. It's either the, that rival girl or that little, uh, the little baby with the monkey, which I don't know. I, I turned to my wife, like, is this racist? Should we be talking about this? Like, I don't know. Uh, it, I don't know if it is, but it feels racist. Like, uh, you know, there's like a little stupid little obstacle she has to deal with. You know, it felt like a video game. What did you think of Aquafina? Okay, so here's the thing with Aquafina. <laughs> that leads me to my bigger point. Every word out of everybody's mouth was horrendous. I couldn't stand when anybody spoke. <laughs> There was actually a point where my wife came in and said something about, like, you know, making lunch for tomorrow. And rather than pause it, I muted it <laughs> because I didn't care what they were saying. I just wanted to be like, I wanted to hear silence for a moment. Okay. And like, so when you have all these cartoons, almost everything reflects the time period of which it's made. And if you make it in a certain place, you know, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, like Beauty and the Beast takes place supposed to be in France, and Pinocchio is supposed to be in Germany, and all that stuff. Then they usually have the colloquialisms of where they're from. So when you have fantasy lands, they tend to be. Think of Star Trek. They tend to be like a generic type of way of speaking. You know, they don't. People on Star Trek don't sound American. They don't say things that. You know, they don't use slang from America, even though it was made in America. It's an American television show. You know, you, you sort of make it broad and, and appealing to everybody. Same thing with, with fantasy lands. You know, the people entangled, they talk like they come from that magic kingdom or whatever. Yeah, Arendelle, too, for Frozen. They yeah, have a same specific. thing with Frozen. Yeah. And um, But then, whereas Moana had something from, like, you know, the Polynesian time, you know, and... Um, all those islands and everything. Not not a lot, but a little bit. The yeah, there was is, elements of the Pacific Islander culture in infused into the characters. Right, which yeah. which is fine. So that's what they were going for. Um, the thing is that ever since Aladdin in you know nineteen ninety two or whatever, they would let um, anachronistic elements seep in. The genie was doing things that, that the other characters didn't understand and, and couldn't possibly recognize. <laughs> because he was meant to break the fourth wall. But then they started doing it in other things that, that couldn't explain it, like the Lion King. Like they would just do it, you know? And it got a little bit where it would creep in and creep in, and this movie was just all of that. Like, it was like they went on Instagram and TikTok and said, what are teens saying today? And just <laughs> threw it in the mouths of every character. What's so up, that, fellow like, kids? Yeah, how do you do, fellow kids? I was like, <laughs> why have all this world building and lore if they're going to talk like they're on YouTube? I do not yeah. understand this. It was a terrible stylistic choice. And Aquafina was the worst example of that. I mean, aside from having a horrendously raspy voice that's like difficult to listen to, 
she sounded like an idiotic teenager. I wanted to pull my hair out. I, I wouldn't have minded so much if she was the only character that did that, like the genie, because she's a magic being, and that's fine. But, like, my first note I have here says, Mythical land with very modern tween dialogue. You know, I'm kind of a dragon nerd. I'm like, what? You, what's a nerd? I really want right. to look around. Like, like, How do you know that? What What <laughs> would that be to you? Like, you... You live in an agrarian society with a you know with a magical like lasso sword. There are dragons. <laughs> like your your best friend is a anthropomorphic hedgehog guy with a shell. I don't know what the hell who grows apparently just ex, you know exponentially and ceaselessly and he's just the yeah. size of a house by the time the movie's over. And then the dragon says, I was the one in the group project that got the good grade, even though I didn't do anything. And I was like, do we have grades? Do we have that? Is that a thing? <laughs> I mean, there's a school at the end, you know, it's kind of an old like, fashioned, like the King and I type school. But like, there yeah. they are looking at something. So, like, you know what yeah. they say? Like, it takes you out of the movie. Well, then I was out of the movie the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> it was so distracting. Yeah, I also don't find her funny. No, she's, I mean, it's she's mostly because I'm else. racist. I understand this, but it's it's she's not that funny. She wasn't that bad in like Crazy Rich Asians, because she's you know big, like was that her big thing? Maybe I I don't, I don't know, know what's big that, anymore. She was in that Ocean's movie with all the women in it. Yes, that was also terrible. I think the big, th- and I mean, she had a relatively minor part in Crazy Rich Asians, but it was, it, for her, it seemed like almost like a cameo. You know, it was minor, but like the movie was so silly and so like simple. That, like everyone kind of had a minor part in that movie. It was no, it was, it was, a, it, there was a weird movie in that there was no sort of single person that was like the star of the movie because everyone got about the same screen time, even if you were the main like two characters. It was weird. But yeah, I mean, like her voice is difficult to listen to. You know, it's it's more of a personal taste thing when it comes to her style of humor. I, you know, it's not unfunny. I can see how it would be considered humorous, but just not not my cup of tea, which is fine. But yeah, they tried to leverage a lot of modern slang in a story because it was easier. This like this is the laziest movie ever written. They didn't want to have a bad guy. They didn't want to be specific about who the people were or where they were. And they didn't want to be specific about how they were supposed to talk. And how do you, you know, rope the kids in to get them to pay attention? You reference things that they might recognize from TikTok and from Snapchat or whatever the heck they're doing now. Like, I... I, I, A little boy on the boat? Like... Every time he opened his mouth, I wanted to, I wanted her to just drown him and steal the boat. Like, <laughs> just take the boat. Yeah, he's like, like three feet tall. Just wring his neck. He weighs, <laughs> he weighs sixty-five pounds. Come on, have a sword. Like, you know, he's he's talking a mile a minute. He's acting like he's in a commercial. I was like, what is this? It was, it was. I think it was the thing about the movie I hated the most because I just couldn't get into that. You know, yeah, like I could at least just be interested in your boring fetch quest, but I was like, oh man, every time they say something, it's like, 
then they get super serious and they're like, you know, I miss my sister and, you know, my whole family. And like, and like the, the one about the baby was really sad too. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I kind of was like, all right, fine. So the baby is also a pickpocket, you know, all right. They're, you know, wretched hive of scum and villainy over here in wherever the hell they're fang. No, I think, uh, Whatever. I don't remember where they were from. Vietnam is where they were. They yeah. were in Vietnam. <coughs> and um they uh you know, they're trying to emphasize how you know treacherous the place is when like 'cause and that's a thing, like people forget this, or I don't forget this, but they but they know this. But gypsies, when they pick your pocket, oftentimes use live babies as distractions. Like this is not an uncommon thing. In some cultures, where they you know rely on deception in order to gain advantage, and uh, so yeah, I was kind of making a point. But then the baby became like a main character in the movie, and like at the end, when like oh my god, this baby's been surviving with these monkeys for the last so many years without its that, parents. Like, I think that was the moment where I was like, oh, we're doing this because like they still had the kid on the boat. And I was like, all right, the little kid's just going to be around with because he needs the boat. And then they pick up the baby, and I was like, oh, we're picking someone up from everywhere now. So, like, <laughs> when we met that guy alone in the town who also had a sad story that he was, like, basically by himself pretending yeah. that he was in charge of this entire little village. Like, I knew right away. I was like, oh, we're bringing him too, right? <laughs> and we did. Yeah. So, yeah. But I don't know. So like, there's both a lot going on here that I think you could do with this story, but they didn't really seem to want to commit to anything. And also from from what I told, they stole most of this from like Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, probably. Yeah, I don't. That's I don't know much anime, about that. Yeah, that's an anime that I've been told to watch a million times. I I don't know. Do you like anime? No, but I've not had any opportunity to really f- like watch it. Like when it comes to like other, m- you know, sort of medium or media, like with graphic novels, I never read comic books growing up. I never did. So someone said to me, like as I said, like I said, if I had to pick one graphic novel to read, what would it be? And anybody who's going to will tell you Watchmen. So I said okay. And so I bought Watchmen and I read it. And I felt like, okay, I've done that now. Like, that was really interesting, and it was good. But it didn't, like, whet my appetite for that, getting into that mode of storytelling. It didn't, you know, it didn't do it. And I think anime will kind of be the same thing. Like, someone will say, watch this anime. It's the best one. We can all kind of agree generally. It's the vanilla of, of anime. Everyone likes it. And then I'll do that, and then... I'll go, all right, that's great. That was pretty good. And I'll never watch anything again. So, like, yeah, I mean, I just haven't had any cause to ask somebody who would know what's one really worth watching. And because there's, all, I mean, there are also no sort of passive anime fans. People are generally really into it or not. There's, there's no casual kind of, I mean, because you, I used to work at a bookstore and I used to have to, you know, shoo these kids away with a broom and they would just plop themselves in front of the manga section for like six hours and read an entire series just sitting there. 
<coughs> so, but um, but it seemed that the, the, that the couple you know video things I watch on YouTube about, about this and um, you know the uh, a couple podcasts I listened to and things I read very briefly were just like referencing like oh this is like this and this person reminds me of that and it's a lot of that there's a, like this is a lot of other things. And that's kind of, you know, what you want to do when you want to, like, manufacture a, a hit. And you go out and you just steal everything you can from things that are popular and all sort of pre-done for you. Slap a few, you know, modern catchphrases in there and Bob's your uncle. So... So would you recommend... <laughs> Raya and the Last Dragon? Uh, no. Only because there's so many other, you know, cartoons that you can watch that, you know, don't watch this one. Yeah. You know, I feel bad for those who paid like the extra $30 to watch this movie early. Well, if you didn't learn your lesson after Mulan, then you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was same no thing with too. that Cruella movie. I was like, oh no, 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 no! <laughs> Fool me once, my friends. <laughs> Shame on you. Yeah, we're not doing that. So. <laughs> I heard she was good at it, Emma Stone. I actually just watched Easy A the other day. Did you ever see Easy A? Uh, I've seen bits of it. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's not great. It's not great. But I mean, Emma Stone. Like, I totally get how like she became a movie star from that movie. Like that's it's mm. like she is so charming, you know. Yeah, she's the best part of it, her, and her gigantic eyeballs. Talk about gigantic eyeballs. Well, that's you know all I think when I see her. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know who's good in that too was Stanley Tucci. Like Stanley Tucci's good in everything. It really is. Like there's this great scene. Like they don't make too much of it, but they, you know they cut to her and like she's in in her house with her perfect family and they're. His mom and dad and her and her and her brother, who's obviously adopted because he's black. And so they're sitting there talking about her problems and this kind of like the most loving family ever. And uh, <laughs> the little boy says something about the fact that he's adopted. And he just kind of bangs on the like the kitchen cabinet. And goes, "My God, who told you?" Like <laughs> it was. Really well executed joke that you would normally not work, but it worked really well with Stanley Tucci. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, we do not we do not recommend Raya and the Last Dragon, but we do recommend that you go to uh, Instagram and Twitter and make sure that you like, subscribe, and on on Twitter you can re, uh, uh, retweet. Our upcoming posts uh, regarding the movie Gully from Paramount Pictures. Uh, if you do that, you enter in a chance to win a free digital copy. So make sure that you like the post. Make sure that you retweet the post where applicable. And make sure that, that you are subscribed to our social media feed. So you never miss any more information about upcoming episodes. And you can win a uh, opportunity to get a free copy of Gully. From Paramount Pictures, rated R. So, uh, 
Yeah. So in addition to that, you should also uh, subscribe. uh, I can't quite talk. Subscribe to the podcast and leave ratings and reviews over there on the iTunes or wherever it is that you happen to listen. Um, You can check us out on Facebook if you'd like to. And I believe that's everything. I think that's it. I hope so. As always, please drink responsibly and we'll talk to you all next time. Take care. Bye. Bye.